0: We've been getting a lot of questions lately about who we are, how we made it to where we are as you know three unemployed dudes who talk about investing on YouTube who somehow turned 40K into more than $40 million. Today on Dumb Money, the story of how we sold a startup and started investing our own money full time why we call ourselves dumb money, why we're even making these videos and exactly what we did to get to this point, the good, the bad, the ugly, including a video that I made about Chris over 25 years ago about his hobby of shopping at garage sales that actually foreshadowed our current stock market investing style. Plus we're going to reveal exactly what we're invested in right now as part of that $40 million portfolio. This is dumb money live.
1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. This morning, it is an episode decades in the making. We're going to take you on a journey back from present day to our early years. Chris, how long have I known you? we've, We've been doing stuff since what we were 14 15 years old yeah
2: school library you know skipping lunch talking about <coughs> how we were gonna place classified ads to start selling stuff in newspapers to make little b- amounts of money on right on trading things right back then that was at age 13 yeah. pretty
0: much kind of <laughs> that's
2: how it started well here we are we are doing it and jordan, jordan, w- doing it. i met
0: jordan what that was that like the early 2000s
3: uh, let's see. I think the first time I ever met you was at like a Kaboom Town at Lens car dealership. I, yeah,
0: That's probably right. Although I knew of yeah. you before that. I didn't...
3: Oh, yeah. I'd heard your name like a million times. Because
0: we were like competitors in the weird underground world of like programming for car dealers. Like...
3: I felt like we were uh, more like strange bedfellows.
0: <laughs> well, that's strange <laughs> to say. <laughs> All right. Let's talk uh, first things first. Let's talk about this giveaway we're doing because on Monday we were talking about upcoming earnings like Peloton and just how much Chris made in that stock. So they they have earnings coming up next week, a week from today. And Chris had the idea of we want to give back to you guys in the community who watch our videos, who are active in our Discord community. And so we, we made it official. We we now are planning to actually do this.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I was up as of yesterday, I was up $3 million in Peloton. Um, as of today, a little less. Um, but I think when we did this, made this decision, I was up 2.3 million, which is about 1,000 Peloton bikes, right? So if I made 1,000 Peloton bikes, the <laughs> least I could do is if Peloton hits earnings next week and goes up even a penny yeah. on earnings, all right? And by the way, they have a bigger chance of doing that today than they did yesterday. Now they're back down 10 bucks. No, exactly. This this uh, might be my
0: buying opportunity 80, for Peloton. I've been out of it.
3: 80 bucks? Do, do you
0: realize that... that while Chris, and, and this is, this is crazy. While Chris has made 2 million plus in this stuff, it was put 2.3 when we did this thing, the promo yep. that we, yep. I'm going to show that promo in a second, by the way, because it's, it's pretty amazing. It also has our Eagle in it. Um, <laughs>
2: By the way, Dave, they're not entered in the promo just by being on our YouTube. They have to retweet me, the yeah. Dumb Money TV tweet. We'll, right? we'll play it and that's
0: then that's we'll we'll course. explain exactly what you need to do okay. to be qualified. Because we want to make sure that everybody watching today is actually qualified for this thing, and and how we're going to actually choose the winner. Hold on,
3: Satoshi just made a, Satoshi just made a prediction. He said with today's loss. Chris is actually just giving away a tricycle. Is that
0: true? <laughs> that, that's gonna be our announcement at the end of the show. If if things continue you know, to go file as they for are.
2: Bankruptcy. If I file for bankruptcy between now and next Friday, I don't think I'm liable to have to give this Pelopon away. <laughs> so we'll just have to wait. No, if to see. if
0: the stock goes up by one penny, you'll you'll still be fine and you're definitely giving this bike away.
2: But but guys, you got to, you know, Jordan and Dave, they said, well, we can't just give away a Peloton. You got to give away like a year subscription too. So now now we got to give away a Peloton and a year subscription.
3: You literally can't can't buy one without buying the first year subscription. So it's just kind of baked in.
0: That's perfect. Okay. Okay. It's actually an amazing, so. But I just wanted to say that while Chris made all this money, I was only in Peloton like for a few days. Chris talked me into it and then I didn't like it anymore. And so, um, and we've talked about why and all this on the show and we can go into that if you want. But, uh, I made $10,000 on Peloton and Chris made $2 million. So yesterday Megan was saying, I can't believe it. I just saw on social media how much you guys made on Peloton. Why won't you even buy me one? And I'm like, well, you don't realize I, I didn't make that much. That was, that was all Chris. So here is, here's the um, promo that we're running currently on Twitter and I think on Instagram. Take a look.
2: We've made so much money on Peloton stock, $2.3 million in the last six months. I want to give away a Peloton bike to someone in our community. If Peloton stock
0: trades higher after hours, we're going to give them away a free Peloton. We will be live streaming Peloton's earnings call after the market closes on Thursday, September 10th. To have a shot, just share this post on Twitter and make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. So be sure you watch us live on Thursday to see who wins. It could be you. That's awesome. I love it. My favorite
2: part of that, Dave, is Jordan on his Peloton. That I when I saw that, I almost fell
3: to the
0: floor. It turned that out was so just... good. Him pedaling and then well, all I the actually, stock so footage so of other people on their Pelotons. On you guys. Yeah. What's that? You you pedaling away and then all the stock footage people yeah. pedaling. I thought that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, to actually so what, what enter, to you have to retweet our tweet that has that video. So we, we did it on Dumb Money TV. So at Dumb Money TV on Twitter and just retweet it. So I'll show you um, if I can pull up Twitter here.
2: And Dave, you have software that will automatically randomly randomly pick someone. Yes, is that, how it that works? is
0: what we're doing. So we're basically going to look at for all of the retweets. And here actually is uh, my retweet of that video. Get in on this retweet. So basically, go to go to Twitter. Dumb Money TV is is our uh, Twitter handle, and retweet this. And how many retweets do we have so far? This is. Probably 17 oh, retweets of me retweeting it, which is not how you enter. You need to actually go to I the think original tweet. We have like a couple hundred retweets. We have 222 like a as of people. right now. That's a pretty good odds. So one in 223 how many, right now. Oh, 227. Look at that. People are just like
2: 227 getting in there. So here's the thing: they have to live in an area where I can order them a Peloton, though, because like if you live in France, I can't order a Peloton there. Is so accurate. So it has to be in an area, right? Like the U.S. What is it? U.S. Canada. Wherever Germany. Peloton
0: ships to, and if if someone yeah, who doesn't qualify wins, we'll we'll pick another. But yeah, we're in as yeah. long as we don't have more than I, I found some software that does it. As long as we don't have more than three thousand retweets, which you know at this point, look at that, two forty one. I don't I don't see us getting to three thousand, but. I have I have a free way to do it, otherwise I think I have to buy some software. But we're gonna we're gonna do it based on retweets of this tweet. So make sure you get in on that. Yeah.
2: Awesome. I I, I love it. I love it. Um all right. So before we get into talking about, you know, the full history and all that stuff, Dave, I, I can I wanna just go over a very brief timeline of my account because people always ask us how long i get a bunch of people asking me how long did it take to make the first million right i got that tweet yesterday so here's the thing i invested twenty thousand dollars in the stock market in 2007 and it took me three years to grow that from twenty thousand to three no wait no i invested twenty thousand dollars in the stock market in 2007 and it took me three years to grow that to two million dollars That's 100x in three years, okay? Now, over the next 10 years, I generated $15 million of additional returns off that money. And this year alone so far i've generated an additional 15 million dollars of returns off that money so that's 33 million dollars over the last 14 years starting with a 20,000 dollar investment that's that's it like that's my whole history right there that's
0: that's amazing i i have not actually done that math to figure out what my uh timeline history was i sh- i should really do that but but you you did that because you were writing a book and you needed to get it audited and you have this you know in your book, you published the yes. the trend line chart of what your portfolio did uh, as audited by some accounting firm. Um, and then- And,
2: and Jack, Jack Schwager wrote the, is writing the, the New Market Wizards book that I'm in, and he did his own audit and he actually sent me his version of the audit so I can kind of look at everything. I was looking through it last night. And what was interesting is how much of that money I had to pull out for taxes over the years yeah. and, you know, to buy a house and, you know stuff like that so like it's not like my account sitting at 40 but but a lot of that had to be pulled out over the years and i think what if i didn't have to pull that money out the compounded returns would have been exponentially higher now right i mean i could be up to close to 100 million right now if, if without only, yeah. those,
0: and if only you didn't have you know, living expenses or you had you know some kind of income that was replenishing that money instead of having to take it out of the stock market I, I saw. Yeah, I saw you, you tweeted yesterday. By the way, I saw your. Uh, you tweeted that stock chart. The flex tweet. This is my, my, this I is your new flex tweet. Flex tweet.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my flex tweet. But here's the thing: people also want to know, like, where where is this going? Well, listen. My plan is to take. My plan is to grow this to a hundred million dollars in the next five years, and a billion dollars in the next ten years. You might think that sounds crazy. No, I don't. I, but that's I, my plan, yeah. and I'm sticking to it.
0: I, I think that that, I think that you'll, you're gonna do it for sure. I, um, by the way, I, so. I replied to your tweet. I don't know if you saw it yet, but, uh, here's, here's my stock chart. It's, it's not nearly as good as yours, but, uh, up 63% year to date. Uh, <laughs> and I should have taken that screenshot. I should have taken that screenshot a few days ago because I was even higher then, but. There you go. That's I did
2: reply to it, Dave, and I was I replied like how good was the timing on my screenshot, <laughs> right? Like yes. I, that was that was it. The screen the timing of me doing yeah, this last is. night was in retrospect genius. Um it wouldn't look it looked a little less impressive this morning, <laughs> to say the least. Um oh, look, metal for breakfast. Yeah. That, uh, so...
0: He he had one share of Microsoft up seventy percent. Good job.
2: Yeah, there you go. He
0: edited so, some listen, of the I... original Dumb Money channel videos back in the day. I, I think
2: the important thing, guys, is when we talk about our history here, people need to understand that it starts really small. Like we didn't start big; we started like really, really, really small. In fact, we, me, and Dave, uh, and I know Jordan, you were working for many, many years, but we worked forever just to try to spin up a next enough like side hustle money, right? to be able to even invest in the stock market. Cause like we had day jobs, we just worked normal day jobs. Like everybody else does. For not not just for
0: a couple of years. We we worked real jobs yeah. for like a decade.
2: Uh, over a decade. Yeah. Like we <laughs> worked our butts off for the man for over a decade. And the whole time we had little side things going on to try to scurry up a little bit of extra cash that we could invest in the stock market. And when we finally did and we started investing, We had this social R methodology, and it exploded. And I'll never forget the day that I crossed $100,000 in my brokerage account. I thought I was the richest person in the world. And that day, literally the thing that went through my head was, someday I might be able to grow this to a million dollars. And I was like, and it wasn't that much longer after that. It was like a year and a half after that, that it it hit a million, after I hit 100K. The first 100K
0: was like a, a grind to get there. And then, Ugh. and then you had enough capital to actually, if you can, if you can double a thousand dollars, that is amazing, right? But if you can double a hundred thousand dollars, it's just it j- just gives you that much more ammunition to keep doing that.
2: Yeah, and when I wrote that book, Laughing at Wall Street, back and that's the book that guys, if you haven't gotten it yet, I still have a few hundred copies. Just dumbmoney.tv forward slash book if you live in the U.S. I'll mail you a free book. My buddy, Patrick's mailing out the books. He's doing it this week, next week. I want to get rid of these books. They're they're free. We're just going to literally send it to you. But when I wrote that book, I turned 20K into 2 million. And I was wondering at the time, why, like, am I going to be one of those guys that just burns out, right? Like, it's just, like, I, I have the book. Like, I was so happy to have the book out because it was like cementing that I did something. And now maybe it was all going to fall apart. Like, I I was like, can I ever take this 20, this two, and turn it into 20? Right. And like, I it happened, right? Like, it literally is, it, it's happened. And now I'm at the same point going, could I could I turn to 200.
0: Yeah. Right. And we're going to tell you some 200. stories about, you know, things along the way, some of these random business ideas. And you see in our little timeline, uh, garage sales. That's a video that 25 years ago uh, I made following Chris around on this little thing that he would do is just going to garage sales, buying stuff, and then selling it for more money than he paid for it, which, is, which sounds like something that Gary Vee is doing to this day.
2: We were so doing Gary V before Gary V even, even knew what Gary V was. But okay. When did you Cl- first Cl- realize
0: that that kind of arbitrage of like buying stuff and then reselling it could turn into something that you could use for the stock market? Was that, did you think about it in, in stocks first or as like a part of this garage sale thing and, and not having any idea that you'd ever use it for stock market?
2: I was obsessed with garage sales from even my preteen years. Cause it was the one thing that if you're, 11 or 12, you could actually go. And when other people would go to look for toys, I would look for stuff that I was like, can I find something that someone else would pay me more money for? Right. Like that was my attitude. I don't know why that clicked in my head, but that was always my attitude. And the thing I realized was that all these garage sales are controlled by women, generally uh, older women that have deep expertise in antiques and certain types of collectibles. But they didn't have a clue or any respect for things that were mail-oriented. So even mail watches, uh, railroad sets, um, all kinds of things that were mail-oriented, they didn't know how to price, and they treated it like junk. So I would buy that type of stuff, and I would then sell it to dealers that specialize in these various things. And this is pre-Ebay, of course. So if I had eBay, I would, it would have been so much easier. I didn't, so I had to find dealers around the country that I could mail things to. To sell them. And I was arbitraging garage sale merchandise because I was it was it was social arb at the time because people just didn't understand what these things were worth because they had a bias. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's so funny is now that when we developed social arb investing for the stock market, that bias totally opposite. The stock market was run by older male men, right men in New York, and they had biases, right they you know they know a lot about banks maybe in sometimes energy financials they know very little about pop culture they know very little about consumer behavior they know very little about what's trending in the middle of the country right uh, about fashion about things that are female oriented so In the very beginnings of our trading, we leaned heavily towards female-oriented and youth-oriented trends, not because that was the only thing we could trade, because that was the easiest stuff. That was the stuff that had the largest social arb window. Like, I remember we were investing in things that Wall Street wouldn't pick up on for months, literally months, after they started trending. And uh, Dave, do you remember, Jordan, the iPhone? I mean, just think back to the iPhone. That was like, it seems like it's a million years ago, right? The iPhone came out and what happened, you know, that was actually one of my biggest trades was a big company like Apple because in New York, they were on AT&T and AT&T literally almost didn't work in Manhattan because of the way that their their data coverage worked like in what buildings stayed. You knew that. You went to NYU. Did you know about that? No, it was
0: terrible. The coverage was was terrible on AT&T. You had to have Verizon if you were going to be in Manhattan.
2: Yeah. And so because of that, like people weren't using iPhones on Wall Street and not to mention the fact that they were using Blackberries because they work for these legacy financial firms that couldn't easily switch over to an iPhone. And all these dudes on Wall Street are using their BlackBerry because that's what they got to use for free. And the whole world is ripping on the fact that the iPhone doesn't have a keyboard. Right. Yeah. And like Wall Street just didn't understand what was happening at my townhouse party in Dallas, Texas with a bunch of 22 year olds. Everyone showing off this
0: new this new device they have that is revolutionary. It changed everything about about the way they communicated. And it didn't even have an app store at the time. And it was it was so game changing.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it, and it changed the way, not j- just the way you interact with your phone. People were able to play games with the accelerometer that they've never been able to do before. And that was that was pretty early on. Pretty awesome. Yeah,
2: But, Jordan, no one was seeing that in the financial yeah, industry. They, totally. they physically weren't in a place to be able to see it. They had what we call geographic bias, OK? There's demographic bias and there's geographic bias. This is one of those trades where there was a massive amount of geographic bias. Um, and... Honestly, people are like, oh, I bet that methodology only works on penny stocks or small stocks.
0: No. The biggest, no, it works on the the biggest biggest stock in the
2: world. And by the way, not just the biggest, but the most covered stock in the world. And that's why if you get this book for free um, that I'll send you, I had a whole chapter just on Apple and about all the analysts at the time and all the big, the most. You know the most prominent media journalist in the world that said that this thing could never, ever, ever, ever work. A phone without a keyboard was just for an imbecile idea, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jordan, do you remember what your first ever investment was? Yeah, Apple. Was it?
2: Was it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. No way. 100%. Huh? That's awesome.
0: That's awesome.
3: Why? 100%. Like, like did you and- open a brokerage account to to invest in Apple? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, this was um, this was before their first split, I think. Or before, they had that big seven to one split, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember investing in them. I think it was like in the E. days. We were about a year in, and I um, I heard. I think it was because of you, Chris. I think you started talking about Apple and all these things, and I was like, you know what? I need to get on this. So I opened a TD Ameritrade account and I bought my first. You know, you know, I don't even how remember how many
2: I remember you coming and talking to me at eCarList. Yeah, we knew each other. We were getting to know each other pretty well, and you were talking to me about wanting to invest. And I was like, "Oh, this is so cool, right?" Like I love, like I love that. I love more than anything when someone that had in- investing was totally off the radar. Because let's the thing is, Jordan, you were an entrepreneur. Like right? you were an entrepreneur engineer, right? Like so, your mind thought that way. But the one thing that you were missing was just simply, simple exposure, exposure to this world, right? I always like your exposure to it more than anything else. And I think a lot of the reason why we do this show at Dumb Money is we want to give the entire world exposure. To people like us that have had tremendous success, because unless you're exposed to this, unless you actually see this and feel it, you don't believe that it's possible, right? And so the more people we can get in front of with this show, and that's a big part of our motivation, right? Everyone asks, what's your motivation? Do you want to sell stuff to people? Do you want to come up with a trading program? Like, are you trying to, like, what are you trying to do? What's your game here? What's what's your purpose? I'm like, our purpose is legit to save the world, to save humanity, because I believe that you know eighty to ninety percent of people in life are stuck working for the man, right? And they believe that their only road in life is to work for wealth. Well, if we can convince people that you don't have to just work for wealth, that you're you can let your money work for you, kind of like that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. You don't have to. You don't have to do it all yourself. Your money will work for you, right? And I think, and like, unless you're,
3: yeah. I agree with that, Chris, but the th- at the same time, you are the hardest working person I know, and that's why you've done so well, because you combine hard work with your money to then go make money, right? This doesn't just happen by accident. And that's
0: what I say. Chris so Chris is the hardest working, and his, his brain is always on. He's always thinking about yeah. like what the next trend is, what the next investment is, and this is going back to you know when, I, when you were 15 years old, and we would sit around trying to brainstorm crazy little schemes of how we could make more money or wh- whatever it is. That, I mean, that just goes way back in your history. Like,
2: but you know what, guys? It's not mutually exclusive, and you don't have to make tens of millions of dollars. Most people aren't necessarily needing or wanting to have to make tens of millions of dollars. If they can make one million dollars over 20 years, 10, 10 or 20 years, that is a huge game changer for their life. And I truly believe that time. Beats effort, meaning just having your money in the market and having it sit there for a long amount of time. That is the most important thing. Now, if you can start to optimize it the way we do yeah. with social arb investing, getting social edge, and picking the right stocks, well, you can accelerate that, right? And that's always kind well, of. I don't my- think
3: it's even making a million dollars. It's saying, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go buy that new car this year. You know what, I'm gonna put that money and I'm gonna sock it away. I'm gonna invest it, and then. When my daughter gets married or when I retire, I'll have some extra traveling money or whatever it happens to be, right? And so it's it's about changing your mindset about money. And realizing that, you know, the investments are probably a better place to put your money than, than a lot
0: of other places. And for me, it's always been about like working smarter and not harder. Like, I, I the whole grind mentality, the, the Gary V way of living is not for me. I love to simplify things, find the way to put in the least amount of effort and have the maximum reward from it. Right. And, and to me, Yes, I did for 10 years go and work a job that I, you know, worked my, climbed my way up that corporate ladder at Yahoo back when it was a real company that uh, was bigger than Google at the time. Uh, but that wasn't for me. I mean, I did it for 10 years and I learned more than anything. That was that, that was better than business school. But I, for me, it was, it was more just the exposure to a way of thinking that I don't want to do this. Let me find something that I can do on my own that that I can benefit from the time and effort and then try to find ways. Now I do as little as possible, right? I mean, I've spent more time making YouTube videos than I do thinking about the stock market.
2: And it's so much more fun. <laughs> and you know what? That, that touches, it touches on another topic for me. The most important thing is having risk capital. And what I mean by that is I think the biggest obstacle for most people, the number one hurdle to making that leap to having a bucket of money that's really growing rapidly like ours is, that they're not having to physically work for, is just initiating a bucket of capital in their life that is designed to put into high risk, right? And high risk could be something as simple as stocks, right? Right. Growth stocks. On days like today, you're not worried, you don't even blink an eye that you lost 10% of your money because that money's supposed to lose 10% every once in a while, but over the long run, it's going to... Make you rich. I call it other, in my book, I call it other people's money because I don't think, I think there's a mental block. You can't just take money that's designed for a vacation or designed for a college education or designed even just to pay your rent
0: or to pay your mortgage. No. You can't take that money and put it at risk. You have to completely segment your life into this is my risk account and then this is my living account. And it took us a long time, decades, to get to the point where we had enough in our risk account where we could actually live off
1: of that risk account.
2: So but how do people actually do that? And and the, the way that I came up with is what if you change your lifestyle and think about every dollar as being worth a hundred dollars? Because in my book, I turned 20K into 2 million, which is 100 times your money in three years by taking big risk on big investments. Right. And so if you think of it that way. If you start clipping coupons, I don't clip coupons right now, but I used to in the back in the day. So you might not ordinarily be interested in clipping a coupon to save a dollar. Like my time is worth more than a dollar and it's kind of embarrassing. Right. But what if that dollar is one hundred dollars because you can grow it to one hundred dollars over three years or even over five or six or ten years. Right. All of a sudden. Now you're motivated to clip that coupon to save a dollar. Now here's the important thing. You're only clipping the coupon to save a dollar because you're going to take that dollar and put it in this side bucket, right? That's designed to do really risky things. Okay. And when you do those risky things, you're not worried about it because that was never your money to begin with. That's money that you got because you were willing to risk it to make the hundred dollars off the one dollar, like mowing your lawn is what? 30 bucks a week, 40 bucks a week. You can save 150 bucks a month maybe mowing your lawn but you're like I don't want to save I would rather pay 150 a month but would you pay $15,000 a month to mow your lawn because that's how much that money could grow into in just a few years taking big risk on social RBEX like we do right and so if you could change your mentality to think like that all of a sudden you're finding money all over your life, right? And, and to to save, to bargain, to like let's delay. I would say like let's delay that purchase a year. If I delay a purchase one year, how much cheaper is that TV going to be in a year? That exact TV, right? If that it, right, you'll save a three hundred bucks. That's like thirty thousand bucks, right? If you multiply by a hundred.
0: Yeah.
3: Hey, Chris, you saw that uh, you saw that spreadsheet that I put together of like by how often you trade your car in, how much yes. money you'll you'll waste on cars, and it's like if every you know, if you trade your car in every year and it's like starts out being a $55,000 car over 30 something years, you'll spend about a million dollars on cars. Seriously, and that, which is insane, crazy. You know, you can, you if you can delay that to the six to eight year mark, you uh spend about a fifth of that.
2: And do, but, Jordan, you think you think about that was amazing, but you know what you didn't do? You need to add the time value of that money too and how much it will grow. Do you have yeah. any idea how much bigger that would be if you mm-hmm. actually? Like added. In conservative, you can
3: even time. say, like, if, you, even if you just invest that 5%, how much, how much will that grow? Yeah. Right. You just throw it in like the SPY. Exactly.
0: But that's something that we've kind of done all along. I remember, like, I would drive the same car for, for way longer than most people, right? I, how long did I have that, like, uh, that Mitsubishi eclipsed? How long did I have the, like, like, I would, I would have these cars and just keep them. Now I just lease and, you know, don't worry about it. But, Back in the day, so, I was very conscious of if I were to trade my car in, I'm going to just take this big hit. And Chris, how long you you drive your car until they, that Jeep you had? It was like falling apart. The bumper was falling off.
2: I drove the junkiest cars, guys. I had at one point I had a Jeep that was so junky, a CJ, that it literally the transmission fell out of it. And my parents said, "Son, you know, you can't. You just got to get a real car." And 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 they they said we'll help you get a car that will just be reliable so you can finish college because like I was in I was at SMU and I I they're like you need a way to get to school reliably and so my parents helped me buy a Dodge Neon but not a normal Neon it was a special based out in the end they only make like a few of these a year that have literally have zero options. when I say they have zero options, mine had like a mat this inch thick in the for the back seat it was like a piece of foam that stretched across this like a, a board in the back seat. That car cost, I think eight thousand or seventy seven hundred dollars brand new like eight grand brand new brand new car for like eight grand. I sold that car. Three years later, or two or three years later, for, no, I think it was two years later. Ready for this for a profit? I because the the <laughs> the, 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 the when you look at the black book for the value of a neon, when you go to trade it in, it said it it averages based on average amount of options, right? They don't have a trade-in value for that weird based out car. So it's just like, they're just giving you wholesale based on what it should be worth, a normal Neon, not the weird one that literally doesn't even have air conditioning inside of
0: it, right? And you, yeah, you were Um, so proud of that at the time. And, but you were not proud of driving that car. Like I made a video about you back in the day where I uh, pointed out how you scraped the name off so that people wouldn't know that it was a, a Neon.
2: And Neon, like, that would help.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That is, that's insane. Um, but, yeah, guys, it's, it's all about, it, it, it really is all about having risk tolerance. I keep my cars for six to eight years. So, even today, I will keep my car for about seven years. I remember the, the, the scariest moment in my life financially, not scary, like, the moment that I thought, this is going to cost me a million dollars over my lifetime, was I, I bought my wife her wedding ring back in 2004. It was the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life. I was like, I can't believe it was it literally took like all my money back then to buy this, like th- this wedding ring. And I knew when I bought that wedding ring that the investment returns that I was giving up on the money that I spent that ring on, I could literally probably retire off of, right at some point in life. and that's exactly what happened. like when I, I still compute in my head, the returns I would have gotten off that ring, but you know, it was so special to her, it meant something to her, and I'm so happy I did it. But, it, like, you know, that's how I think I'm like, I'm so frugal because I think about a dollar not as a dollar, I truly think about every dollar being a hundred or even a thousand dollars, right? If invested right, so like, I'm thinking a thousand to one now because that 20k is now well over 20 million, right? So, and now it's just in 14 years. So like when you think of every dollar as being a $1000, think about how frugal you get. And that's oh, yeah. why I'm so frugal. That's why people think I'm insane when I'm like, you know, I have an above ground pool in my backyard, <laughs> right? In in the most expensive neighborhood in the state.
0: Which is insane, no, right? Like That was that think, was because you I'm needed insane. it quickly and you're but you are you're going to do an in-ground pool next yeah, season, but your your budget on that is like a quarter of the average budget for an in-ground pool in this neighborhood. And our less. friends
2: are making fun
3: of me. They're like, why do you have the district budget when you've made all this money? I'm like, I'm like, I think it's right. all about setting expectations with contractors too, though. Right. Because if they, yeah. they come in, they see the neighborhood and they're like, oh, yeah. oh
0: there's definitely, to, there's definitely a surcharge here.
3: Totally. Now, totally.
2: I
0: think it's time, and we have all these people on. They came for one reason. No, no. I have a question reason. for
3: you,
2: Dave. I have to, I have to ask you a question. Okay. I have. To, I, there's something on my mind. If we're going back, can I just ask you. Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna
0: go just, all the way back and show that garage sale video after we reveal our portfolio. So, how far? How I, ba- how far like, back are you going?
2: Even further back. I want you to tell us because I just remember this last night. Tell us about your little on and off again career as a jingle man, right? <laughs> Tell us about that. Do you have that still? Do you have? Can you pull? The, uh, I wish I would have told you in advance. Yeah, you should have, you have told me
0: that. No, yeah, I, I, I was in radio. I, I'm not, I'm not a jingle man, but I did actually work at a production studio where they sang all the jingles. Like, there's one studio in Dallas where all of those radio jingles were recorded, and I worked there, but not for the jingle company. I worked there for uh, a show. This was like my senior year in high school, right before I went to college. It was called USA Overnight, and from midnight until 6 a.m., I would go to this recording studio in the middle of the night, and I was the producer of this live syndicated show that was on in a bunch of different markets. Uh, Do you remember the DJ Shadow Stevens? His kid brother was the DJ who uh, hosted this show, and I would go there, and I'd put together all the sound bites, the entertainment stuff. I'd do these edited, like, movie reviews. I had my own little movie review thing on the side before the internet really existed. I I was doing uh, this thing called The Blurb, where I would do these two-minute radio interview like things on... where I would give movie reviews to morning shows across the country by calling into the morning show and doing a little back and forth with the DJ. So I like... I was was doing, I did so much random stuff.
2: But how about the CD that you made that you used to sell? You had a CD of like sounds that you sold to other radio stations. What was that? So that
0: was called Radioactive Noise. I I think the website is still up. And that was, that was production elements that were like this new cutting edge style that like, that really is, they're still using to this day. I hear my sound effects on radio to this day, by the way. And it was, it was this thing that I sold for like $1,500 for a single CD that had like a thousand little random noises, like, like the record scratches and like digital noise and just all kinds of radioactive noise. And I had a, a one called drum beats and I had, I, I came up with this whole like series of things, but yeah, I, I produced, uh, I produced some of the sounds that are still being used to this day on broadcast uh, radio and television. MTV was a client.
2: That's awesome. I love it. But yeah, that was that was it. my
0: that was my um pre-college career was doing all kinds of radio stuff. And I would come back to Dallas during the summers and I was a DJ uh, on pretty much, I, I think in Dallas, I've been on every station. I was on, I, I started at Y95, which turned into Oldies 94.9, which turned into Power 95, and there were a bunch of different things. I was at 106.1 Kiss FM when they first signed on. I did all the production. That was, that was when I was in high school too, because the radio station was just a few blocks from the high school. And after school, I would go and produce the stuff for like the morning show and all of the promos and stuff like that. And then I would come back, and in the summer, I was, um, I was on, 94.5 The Edge and uh also uh Mix 102.9. I did nights at Mix 102.9, like just you know for the fun of it until they went to like, I would go automated. to your
2: over to your house, your 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 parents' house, and your whole bedroom literally it, <laughs> the entire wall from floor to ceiling the whole wall was nothing but like processors for editing equipment, yeah, like like the man, like the, the processing power. Just to be able... Was that like the old Avid systems, basically, you were using? No, back it was in the day? before
0: that. It was like a Commodore 64 that was running the video toaster. That was my video <laughs> platform. And then I had this cassette-based <laughs> multi-track recording where I produced things in my parents' house for radio stations across the country.
2: It was... And before... And, and I, I really and, want and, to ask this to you
0: because... <laughs> remember that closet? Once, once I was in college and my parents moved from that house, I took over the back house... Where we both, by the way, you'll you'll see in this garage sale video, we we lived in our parents' garage, like above the garage house, and I turned the closet in there into a full-on recording booth where I had the foam stuff all over the walls, and I had a feed going out to my mixing console that was, you know, at the foot of my bed with this whole big wraparound studio. It was, it was a very like, I love doing that stuff. And I, that's why I, I, I'm on YouTube now because like, I couldn't actually make a career of that. It was just fun for me. And now I get to like make this kind of stuff. You on.
2: You get to do it fun for all of us, which is awesome. And, and Jordan, you're just, you've always been, I, I had never really asked you, Jordan, like I've known you so many years, like prior to us, like our time, like You've always been like a build. Like I just think of you as a, like a builder. You have got to be building stuff. But all. like before eCarless, like before you started working to build the tech behind eCarless, like what did you build anything as a kid? Like engineer, like with your engineer mind. Like what was your like entrepreneur? How did your entrepreneurial spirit like flow out back then, or do you just? Or did it come later?
3: Yeah, I think it came later. Um, I got really into engineering um, in college. Uh, before that, I literally had no idea what I was going to do.
0: Um, <laughs> like Do you ever have any but, idea in college that you would uh, very shortly thereafter found a software company, uh, be the co-founder of this thing that that had a huge windfall and now you're just like uh, retired and investing your money? No, no idea.
3: No idea. <laughs> no, I mean, I thought I would go be an engineer at some random, you know, Fortune 500 company for the rest of my life. And, Was uh, that your like you know,
0: five or 10 year plan?
3: Uh, yeah, like 50 year plan. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But what's so important about that story, guys, so you just heard what Jordan's 50-year plan was. It is so critical, and everyone talks about this, who you surround yourself with, because simply by having exposure to our other friend, Lynn, uh, who Jordan was initially partnered with on eCarList, and later on, us, and kind of just having exposure to our way of thinking, took his powerful... Builder mindset and, and brain power, and just redirected it a little on a slightly different path. Um, and I think that was a game changer for his life, but honestly, it was a game changer for our life too, because there's no way that we would have achieved what we would achieve without having him as part of our team, right? And Absolutely. like, so you really have to consciously think about who you want to surround yourself with. I don't care what point of life you're in, if you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 you're trying to do something interesting, you got to be around people that have, you know, different mindsets that are going to expose you to different elements of the business community, of investing, of being, you know, entrepreneurial. Like, you just have to force yourself into different social circles, period. I think that's the most important. That's, like, the biggest life lesson I'm going to give to my kids. Yes, not even just social
3: circles. I mean, I I think social circles are important, but also just different, you know. If I were to just totally appease myself and dive into things, I would just be, you know, studying science all day, every day. But I know that I need to learn different um, different things to be successful in my life. So I, you know, I try to be well rounded. I try to learn about politics. I try to learn about, you know, uh, monetary policy and economics and monetary mm-hmm. monetary policy and all these different uh, um, all these different things. And it comes full circle, right? Like
2: it ultimately yeah. contributes to your investing mindset, which is important because. We don't look at a lot of the stuff you look at, but we have access to it through your brain power, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. you can't do what we're doing alone, guys. It's just, it just—it doesn't work. It literally does not work. And you know what? If you don't have someone, you can be part of our team through the Discord community. Dumb, what is it? DumbMoney.tv forward slash Discord. I tell everyone that. Everyone's like, Chris, could you coach me? Could you do this? I'm like. No, just join our discord. There's like 500 of me and Dave's and Jordan's inside of there. And we're a team together. And like, like you don't get it. It's not, that's not how it works. Like it's, it's group. It's about shared knowledge and shared experience and shared insight and shared vetting. And like, that's what this is all about. By the way, when we talk about motivation, guys, if you want to know why we do this, why we're on YouTube spending all this money to put together this show to share with you guys, Part of it is selfish. Part of it is because we need you. We need the best of the people that are following us to join us in Discord to help us surface new investments, to actually help us vet investments. Some of my biggest trades this year, guys, are the result of me building confidence from reading about research that's being done in our Discord group, from people that follow this show. Like, I am I have more to benefit from our audience than they have to benefit from me. And that's what people don't realize. I think that you you even talked about selling us something at some point in the future. No, no. I'm making more money off you from your brain than from your dollars. right? Like, I don't want your money. I want access to your insight. I want access to what you see in Ohio, in Atlanta, in California. I want you to help me vet investments. I want you to help me make more money for me. But I don't want your money. Like, people don't understand that. And it's a big part of why we do this channel. Sorry. That was my rant for the day.
0: Good rant. No, I, I, I want to see what we want to do. We need to do a portfolio reveal because people have been tuning in and dying to see it. And we also need to show this garage. Should we, like, flip the order? Should we go ahead? And since we're talking about all of, like, our history, should we show this video yeah. and then reveal our portfolios right after? Yeah, that? I
2: think we have to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's
0: do that. So let's uh, – this, this video was – Twenty five years ago, the summer. Twenty six years ago, the summer of '94, uh, I think. I I can't remember, but I, I I looked it up at the time. It was, tw- was twenty six years ago, and we're like nineteen years old, and this was in the summer. Uh, Chris was living in his parents, like I said, in the in the back house above his parents' garage. So and this is like something we ju- we just shot in one day, and it's 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 like me trying to be a documentary film guy. So here it is. It's a YouTube debut. This is Garage Sale Underworld. The Garage
1: Sale. On any given weekend, you're sure to find 10 of them. Furniture, jewelry, appliances, just about anything can be found at Garage Sales. But there's more to it than the merchandise. The people who actually go to these sales make up the Garage Sale Underworld. Most of the serious shoppers are antique dealers looking for a great deal on a -a one-of-a-kind item. But there are the eccentrics. Like Buddy, who likes to buy what he describes as junk. If you can't buy the best, buy the worst. And there's Chris, a 19-year-old college student majoring in business. Amongst the garage sale underworld, he's known to be the best at what he does, buying old junk and reselling it to antique dealers and consignment stores for profit. I would like to go out and make some money. It's 4 a.m., and Chris is making his plans with his associate, Patrick. Okay, North Henderson in the vicinity, 35B. 35B, let's check it out. That could be, that could be decent. 35B is right. Determined to be the first person to get into the garage sale, Chris plans carefully. It'd be nice if they like said at 530. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd like to get out there by 530 anyway. In the middle of the night. It's now 5.30 a.m. Chris has chosen the Mimosa Sale at 66.35 Mimosa as his first sale of the morning. Set. we got it. There's nobody here yet. We did it. All right. All right, we did it. First step one. Chris is somewhat conservative as far as professional garage sale shoppers go. He prefers to wait until 7 or 8 before knocking on the door and waking the homeowner up.
2: They on don't want to knock them up, I guarantee
1: should
2: we, you they're Should up. We knock on the door? Shh, shh, shh. Keep in mind, though. I, don't want to, I don't want to get mad at us. I might, uh... I want to stay in the good side. If they can let us in before anybody else, you know, you do not want
1: to disturb them. Just after daybreak, one of Chris's chief competitors arrives at the sale.
3: You guys have the sale today?
1: Everyone in this underground society seems to know each other. And yet they are all willing to all but kill each other to get to the very profitable jewelry first. Chris was able to keep his competition away by convincing them that it would be hours before the sale opened.
3: But you know, if they're not up, then are
2: We haven't even seen a speck of light come out of the house yet.
1: Just before 7 a.m., lights were seen in the house, and shortly after, the homeowner emerged, presumably to hang garage sale signs. He let Chris get a coveted peek at the merchandise and informed him that the sale wouldn't start until 9.
2: What did you see? Do you have that on camera? Did,
1: did you get that on camera? With our help, Chris determined he'd do better at another sale.
2: After closely reviewing the tape, uh, we got a good peep inside the sale. Uh, nothing worth staying for.
1: It's still early enough to get to another sale before it opens. Chris was lucky. Okay, oh, well, where are we going? You know? Right. That's oh, disappointing. Definitely a disappointment for the first sale of the day.
2: But hey, we got a we got a peep early. At least we wouldn't stick around until nine to find that
1: out. Fifty-eight, eighteen, Ferndale. This could be a good. One. I like the house and I like the cars. I like the furniture I see inside.
2: It's a furniture sale. We could get a good piece of furniture out of this one. You could also get some good electronics.
1: Nice. Moments later, the competition finds him. Chris tries to scare them away by spreading a rumor that the sale wouldn't open until 9. It didn't work. An even larger crowd gathers. After only five minutes on the scene, a team of antique dealers decides to ring the doorbell. They got no answer. morning. <laughs> However, a few minutes later, the owner of the house appeared and informed the crowd that they would be opening. The shoppers flocked to the house and crawled under the slowly opening garage doors. Okay. Oh, oh. The jewelry was hit first buddy found his kind of items you know if you can't buy the best buy the (laughs) worst (laughs) the homeowner was happy
0: but i love him because i got to get rid of this stuff
1: (laughs) did you think something about another sofa that was coming after only a few minutes the professional shoppers had come bought and left on their way to the next sale everything including the family pet was picked over chris found a sofa and even i found something it'll look great in my office and for just five bucks how could i pass it up Chris moved on to his next sale to fight with the garage sale vultures, and I'm going to get some sleep. I'm Dave Hansen for Metro Media News. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. That the hair, was amazing. dude! The hair!
1: <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. Dude, Dave... It was a newspaper and a
0: map. What was that book with the maps
2: were in? It was called
0: Mapsco. That was before MapQuest yeah. existed. That was like a paper book that had every street you had to go to, like, 35B was like the page number and the coordinates. <laughs> the did you know partner? that guy with the beard and the cigarette? Like, did you know that guy? No. He, I, I mean, Chris may have from... Uh, this is my yeah, first I and knew. only time garage Dude, shit garage sailing.
3: I knew all of them and the
2: best part is Patrick who is there with me on that in the car and in the house with me like he's the guy that's mailing out my books right now like like for and his it's really cool cuz his daughter is getting to, doing it with him and she's going to invest all the money so like just so you guys know how cool this is like my buddy's daughter is mailing out books with him and the money is all going towards her uh investment account she's learning how to invest like that's which so is cool. so
0: cool yeah.
2: uh but god <laughs> The hair, dude. What was I thinking?
3: <laughs> did anybody even talk to me about that back then? Like,
0: I mean, no, uh, that was kind of the thing, right? That, that was that yeah. Was I had the same style. bit.
3: I had the full. I had the full part down the middle. Yours went to here, which is pretty crazy. Mine went to like here. <laughs> Mine
0: went even further. I was, did it. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I, it was. <laughs> so it was just bad, long and oh, yeah. So All right. Bad. That was amazing. All right. <laughs> Thank you uh, for for uh, letting us entertain you with that. Uh, piece of our history and we, we we are going to take questions we're going to we're going to go to the live chat and the ask us anything but we do need to do this uh portfolio reveal because um the stock market is just falling apart i'm i'm going to reveal not only how much i what you know what i'm in but also how much i've lost and it's it's worse than it was <laughs> this morning like since we've been uh, on the air
2: So, Dave, I'm hedged. So I'm I am up thirty nine thousand from where I was when we started the show, which means my hedge is working. Um, But I'm still down one point seven six million.
0: Okay, I'm I'm down (laughs) five hundred and twenty three thousand at this point.
2: Whoa, sorry, dude. I'm so I I, sorry. It hurts, man. It hurts. But we'll get. You know. We got we got another couple decades to get this money back. We'll, we'll get it back. So let's
0: let's start with your hedge. <laughs> what 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 is your hedge this morning?
2: So yeah, let me talk about my hedge. That's really interesting. My hedge will kind of give away some of my biggest positions. Um, I, I, I as you guys probably know, my biggest positions are Amazon, which is, you know, a four million dollar position, a three million dollar position in Peloton, uh, you know, a million dollar position in Vista Outdoors, about a million in Apple, almost a million in Tesla. Uh, about 800k in GAN and 700k in Generac, about 700k in Shopify, 700k in DocuSign, and then about half a million in Lavongo and half a million in Salesforce and half a million in Roku, about half a million in Apple, and then I have like Home Depot with 400k, Lulu with 380k, Twilio at 370k. Um, so that those are my big positions. I also have stuff like Square and you know st- I have some bounce back stocks like Expedia. I do have a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of Wayfair. Uh, a little bit of Rocket. I still have some of my outdoor stocks, guys, like Do, um, a little bit of Netflix. Uh, and then I have my crazy, uh, eight, oh, Activision, of course, I have some Activision. But these are like 200K positions, right? Two, two to 250. Uh, a little Logitech, a little ECL, a little Ruger, a little Crocs, a little Azek, that company that makes, um, you know, the 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 wood the fake wood flooring. Uh, a little bit of Zoom. My Zoom's, you yeah, know, not doing so good the last couple of days, but a little bit of Zoom. Um, I also have some Peloton options that I sold out of this morning, but I still kept 100 contracts for September 18th. Um, a little bit of Penn and Lowe's and Vital Farms, we've talked about in the show before. Uh, Shopify, of course, uh, a little bit. Um, SE, which is that Korean Amazon company that I found out about through our Discord group. And, you know, you know, I got that Royal Caribbean cruise is going to cruise eventually, right? So I got a little Royal Caribbean. That, by the way, is the only uh, thing that was
0: my... in the green in my portfolio at all today.
2: Yeah. Oh, Zoomies! A little plug, a little Disney. My forever stock, Disney. A little DEO, KBH, T-Doc, PII, uh, STZ, the alcohol company. A little Gap. You know about my Gap trade on the on the Yeezy, on the Yeezy uh, Kanye Kanye endorsement. A little workhorse. A little bit of Win Casino for when we're out, we're out of this mess, right? And Jout, and a little bit of Saber when we're out of this mess. Uh, DHI, BLDP, FVAC. Uh, beacon roofing. We talked about that trade. It's not a big trade for me, but I have a little beacon. And, no, Jordan, I still have some of that DIIBF, that bicycle company out of Canada that makes Schwinn and stuff. So, Durrell God, Industries. Durrell Industries. Yeah, I, I bought more of them actually a, a little while ago. And, you know, I got my Nicola because I'm just waiting for that next collab to be announced. But I hate Nicola, but I <laughs> own Nicola. I hate it, but I own it. I own it temporarily, but I hate
0: it. You hate it as a and company, I you love
2: it as a stock. Hey, guys. By the way, I'll talk about my hedge, but I'm shorting Ruth. I'm shorting Dave & Buster's. I'm shorting BF Corp because I think fans are going to have a really tough quarter. But I might rethink that if people do a lot of outdoorsy stuff this winter and if it ends up being good for uh, North Face. But I'm looking at the data really hard. But I want to talk about the hedges I put on this morning. So I put on a hedge uh, on the QQQ. And what I did was I bought 400 of the 295 puts expiring tomorrow. Um, and that, you know, right now the market value of those puts is about $375,000. I also bought um, Amazon puts. I have 30 of them. My Amazon puts are the uh, 3425 puts expir- expiring tomorrow. And it's about $300,000 of puts on Amazon that I have. Okay. And that's, I bought that's, puts a, on that's my a hedge app.
0: because you own so much Amazon.
2: That's a hedge. It's a hedge. OK, because uh, I own so my I own four million dollars of Amazon. I bought a hedge on my Apple, uh, 200 of the 130 puts expiring tomorrow. It's about 160K worth of puts right now. And I bought a hedge on my Tesla. So about 50, 50 contracts of the 430 strike price put expiring tomorrow. It's about $100,000, $120,000 hedge put right there. So I have, you know, I don't know what that is, guys, about six or seven or eight hundred thousand dollars maybe close to a million dollars of option puts that just to carry me through to tomorrow. Um, I'm going to look at this really closely when I get off of the show today and monitor the market. If I start, and this is, I'm not great at this. I want to be very clear with everyone. As good as I think I am uh, as a social ARB investor, Uh, basically early identifying change and connecting that change and investing in companies that would benefit or be harmed. I don't time markets. It's just not what I do, guys. Like, I'm not any better than anybody else in the world at timing markets. And I don't want to pretend to be any better. Um, I'm going to do the best I can to hedge myself a little bit here. The only market I ever really timed was the great pandemic of 2020 uh, when we saw it coming. But that's because we had actual information, right? So we basically hedged the entire market and went deep short just prior to the big market collapse 2020. Yep. which is a big part of my gains this year. Um, but I did a little bit of that in 2008, but I was about a day late. And so I saved myself from losing money in 2008, um, but I didn't make any money back then uh, off of that big market collapse. Uh, but that's it. That's my portfolio, guys. And that's how I'm hedging it. So,
0: you know. And I have not done any hedging yet. And it's probably, I hope it's not too late. I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's it's just, when you have the market doing this, uh, we're we're seeing levels we haven't seen since seven days ago. I mean that's how dramatic <laughs> this is. But yeah. Anyway, here, here's here's my portfolio. Um and and the app is sorting it alphabetically instead of by uh by holdings, but I can tell you that Amazon is is my biggest holding. Then uh, we have Apple, DocuSign, GAN, uh, Match.com, Microsoft, Netflix, Restoration Hardware, Roku, Tesla, and Wayfair. And that's it. I have such a simple portfolio compared to what Chris is in. I also do have options in. Uh, oh, look, Cheesecake Factory. Those those options that expire in uh, January uh, are up seven hundred dollars today. Calls, yes. Okay. Calls, yes. Uh, okay. And then I have our cruisers going to cruise that I just have to have for uh, for the sake of uh, my t shirt. Uh, those are the Royal Caribbean January uh, sixty calls that are up twelve thousand dollars today. That's my nice. only. That's my only ray of hope is that uh, cruisers are going to cruise. Nice. I don't know why I had nice. that chart on the like whole that. time. Sorry about that.
2: And Jordan, I know you don't make any like your account's not crazy or anything, but can you just tell us a couple stocks that kind of uh, would represent the type of stuff that's in your portfolio? You know, you don't have to tell us like exactly how much. Yeah, my for- my.
0: I mean, my
3: biggest position is also Amazon. I mean, it's uh-huh. not half my portfolio, but it's like five or six percent at this point. Um, which is um, which is about as high as I'll let something get.
0: Is that, is um, that the biggest percentage? Oh yeah, you're well yeah, diversified. By double,
3: yeah, yeah, by double. So then after that, it's um, Google and Facebook and Microsoft are the next three biggest, um, and then just a bunch of random stuff. Um, like I'm still holding on to Polaris. I'm still holding on to HP. probably actually <laughs> embarrassingly a good size um, position now. My worst. I will tell you my worst trade so far this year, energy transfer. And I'm still holding on to it for some reason. I don't know. I just can't, I can't, can't pull the trigger on that one. Yeah. It was a bad, it was a bad play. Uh, But I've got AES. I've got, um, what else do I have? Um, Oh, I've got a REIT. I've got, um, what is that thing called? Annalee Capital Management, Um, Mm NLY. That's a good size one and a good, uh, good little payout. I think like 10% or something like that a year. Um,
0: But yeah. If we look at like yeah. my biggest holding is Amazon, Chris. I don't know what your like percentage of your account is in a single uh, stock these days, but Amazon is forty three percent of my portfolio. So you can tell what five um, percent loss in Amazon is doing to me today.
2: That's huge, Dave. That is like crazy. That's, that's like crazy your, big. the
0: way you used to invest back. Back in the day when you would put like 80% of your you know, portfolio into a single yeah, stock.
2: I, do you know at one point in my life, I had 100% and by the way, think guys, we're going to have a lot of episodes like this where we'll dig into different aspects of our past. We can't get our whole history in one episode, but uh, I had 100% of my portfolio in Nintendo stock back when the... I think, was it the Switch? Not the, when the Switch first came out, or the one, not the not the Switch, way before that. What was no, the no, big was Nintendo the... platform 15 years ago? Yeah, the, the, like, the big, ma- just, just oh, the, 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 the Wii, Wii, the Wii, it the when Wii. Wii yeah. the, before it came out, when, at the E3 conference, and my yes. little brother was there, and he, like, told me it was going to be a game changer. I put 100% on my entire life savings. In one foreign ADR stock, Nintendo, and NTDoy.
0: That stock, I remember that ticker well because I was I was probably like eighty percent of my net worth was in that one yeah. stock too.
2: It like went up two and a half x in a year, yeah, you know, or something like that. It was crazy. Crazy, and you remember I was going to GameStop like every single day. Interview, they thought I was insane. Those people, they were like, <laughs> "Get the hell out of our store!" I'm like, "All right, just tell me, are you still selling out of all the Weeze? Is it gonna stop? Like, is it gonna? like you seen demand taper off even a little bit? Like, they didn't know my whole life savings in this thing, and I only had one place to get information back then. It was before social media really was around,
0: right? Like, so it's. That's how we did research is the only way to do it. Um, I mean, you, you could have called, but, you know, you had to pay by the minute to use a cell phone back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh... I, I was just doing some uh, just rough math. Um, so I have 40 percent of my portfolio on Amazon, but 80 percent of my portfolio. If you include Amazon, Tesla, Apple and GAN, that's like more than 75 percent of my portfolio. In four.
2: Yeah, Gann's a little hot. Gann's not doing well this week. I mean, that whole DraftKings deal with Michael Jordan. Wow. Uh, you know, like Michael Jordan, by the way, is awesome. It's an awesome person to get, and that that hurts Penn and competitors, including you know, including Gann. So, and the, the, you know, all the casinos that Gann reps. So, I get it. I get that was a big negative for Gann and, and Penn this week. All right, So um, we'll, we'll so open this up it. for questions. I'll, if you
0: guys have questions about uh, what we've done, but we we are you know past our one hour mark today and. Uh, we like, we like Are to, we
2: still doing a video premiere or no, Dave? Do we have it me, or not? Let no? me check.
0: If, if we do, it's really worth watching. So hang on. Let me just log into uh, our back-end account. Guys,
2: if we don't have this premiere ready, uh, it will be likely be ready at some point today on our old Dumb Money channel, which is just youtube.com forward slash dumb money. And if you haven't been on that channel, it's where we put all of our shorter, super cool edited uh clips could be seven eight nine minutes super fun to watch we spent a lot of time and effort uh, editing those and we really appreciate you guys watching those and giving them thumbs up looks like it's not quite Uh, done
0: uh yet but that the plan is to have that on later today so you should definitely go to our other channel subscribe there turn on that bell so that you get notified when we post new videos there if you haven't done that here do that here like buttons. Dave, we had to
2: talk about SPH, propane. Can we talk about propane for a minute? Because everyone wants to know about it. I don't know if you guys have been in Discord. It's like one of the high conviction trades that a bunch of our community is vetting and talking about. Um, I did a bunch of research. I'm not done yet. Uh, SPH is a company that basically sells retail propane all around the country with the focus on the Northeast, okay? And the, the thesis that came up in our Discord group, guys, I don't know who in our Discord group came up with that. If you guys know, could you let us know so I give give the person some credit? Uh, the thesis is that one, with a lot of the disaster stuff that's happened this summer, with you know, you have the blackouts in California, people are using their generators, you have the hurricane in, in Louisiana, lots of generators going on down there. You have the inland hurricane in Iowa massive power outages, tons of generator use. And you also have a tropical storm Isaiah that hit the Northeast uh, that put out power in some places for over a week. So lots of power generation up there that's based on propane. So the thesis is that there will be an uptick in propane usage this quarter that would benefit SPH, which is a company that quite honestly has been in the dumps Uh, hasn't recovered at all Um, with all the restaurants basically going out of business or closing for a while. They don't certainly there's a there's a scare that they're not going to need any propane. But I think what's interesting is those restaurants that are opening or that have stayed open, are likely to maybe use a lot more propane in the fall and winter, which are the two quarters that SPH generates the vast majority of its revenue. Because Dave, like people want to sit outside, right? They don't want to sit inside. They're scared, but they still want to go to restaurants. So at my restaurant, we're planning on having our, we're planning on maybe ordering even more propane based heaters outside Mm -hmm. and having those things operating quite honestly, they'll probably operate, two times as much as they do during a normal winter if the weather gets cold like normal. Uh, so it is kind of weather related. Yeah. But there is a thesis for this company that is potentially really strong. And it's a it, it does have all the makings of a really nice social arb trade, but it is a quirky company. Some people say it's mismanaged. It's been in the dumps. The propane sector in general is kind of in the dumps the last few years. Yeah. And there's another propane company competitor that essentially went out of business. Their stock went from like 30 or 40 to zero almost. I need, I need um, to do more so, research on that one. Yeah. is the price
3: I mean, of listen, propane up though? Um, so – Or I know Nat the, gas is, but I don't know about the propane. The
2: price of propane, Jordan, I think yeah. is actually down, I believe, okay. because people were saying – that they should be able to buy their propane cheaper but they're not really selling it cheaper so the word is yeah, they just kind of have
3: the a com- fixed they have a fixed sales price on the yeah you know, the, the because here's the
2: thing jordan like like the propane market it's all about distribution right so it's not like it's not like you can there's like five different propane brands when you go to buy propane propane at the grocery so if sph has deals with 5,000 groceries and people like that that sell the propane, like they kind of could do whatever they want in terms of pricing because there's not that much elasticity when it comes to demand. People want their propane and they're not going to shop you
3: that much, right? Um, So, yeah, and some people don't, uh, didn't it run some people's houses too? Like if you live out, you know, people have huge, uh, huge deals of propane, like in their backyard, like if you live out in the country. Yeah, so
2: I listen, I haven't finished my research on this stock, but I will say this, if you guys are wanting to really dig in to like a really meaty social arb trade, this is a good social arb trade to research, right? So I would say get in our Discord channel. There's actually something called high conviction trade ideas. That's one of our channels in Discord, and I think I think that's where most of the conversation has been happening around SPH so um, you know, get in there and debate it. Like like, I am not understand something. I am not like the end all person on this is a good trade or this is a bad trade. What I am is doing this for a decade and a half or more. That I I'm I'm going to contribute just like anyone else. I'm gonna I'm gonna surface things that our group might not be thinking of. Uh, I'm gonna help with the research, and I hope I. Can- contribute on this one but it's not me being the end all decider whether this is a good trade or not i'm researching it. i'm just like you guys i'm trying to figure it out i'm reading everything i can about this company i would love for you guys to start making some phone calls if you can to some propane dealers and asking them hey is demand to the same way we've been doing this with peloton all summer long let's do it with this company right i mean it's the same process over and over and over just different companies. So you guys are getting the process down now. Let's go through the process. Let's share the intelligence. And everybody can make their own decisions at the end of the day, uh, whether it's a good or bad trade. Oh, there's an SPH channel. Thank you, guys. So if you go to Discord, there's actually a channel for SPH when you can really dig in. I haven't made my decision, guys. I don't know if I like this one or yet. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out.
0: I haven't I haven't done the research yet either. So that's definitely something that I need to look at.
2: Yeah, I, it's a, it's a fun one. So, I mean, who else? Wall Street's not thinking about pro, retail propane, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> so like neither are like Robin Hooders, you know. Like, and, that, and that's what I like about it. I don't know that it's you know that widely covered or thought about. And th- those are always those are always good if you can find something kind of like HP. Like no one really cared about trying to social arb the printer trade, right? Besides us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: But uh, all right, man uh that 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 that's it dude i i'm 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 done i think listen dave i feel like we have we've covered like one and a half percent of our history in this episode <laughs> and that's what this episode is going to be about but like if we cover more of it i will be if i i'm gonna i can start bringing stuff up from our past we didn't even talk about our companies e-car list right ticker tags um that we started and sold we're gonna have to have more episodes on this guy so if you like this episode Give us a thumbs up and let us know. Like, do you want to us? Do you like us sharing? Like, when we were prior yeah. to having all this money, how we got there. Like, is that interesting? and if you guys,
0: if you're still watching we're we'll, we'll end this and then we'll have the replay go in the comment section and let us know in that kind of permanent comment that you either like this, that you want to hear more about which company you want to hear more about, whether it's eCarList, which was our software company that Lynn and Jordan founded and Chris and I came aboard later or ticker tags that they founded and that I briefly uh, came and worked there before you sold it. And then, um, Wiki tags, yes, that was going to be the big uh, yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: Wiki tags. That was going to be the next big thing. Um, <laughs> Um, like, l- let us know Dave, what you're we,
0: interested we, in start down down in the uh, comments. Should we,
2: should we should we do like the – on Twitter, we're talking – thinking about, guys, we want to get more active on Twitter. That's like a commitment we're making to the community because I. it's so easy for me to pop on Twitter. Maybe us doing some Ask Us Anythings on Twitter a few times yeah. a week, just separately. Like, Dave will do it. Jordan will do it. Maybe we all commit to doing at least one or two a week. Would you guys like that when I'm just – I'll just pop on Twitter – do it. Ask Me Anything. I'll try to do it at a designated time so you know I'm going to be on there. Maybe like after the show or something yeah, like that. we should that. definitely do that. Uh, and I, I, I have bad today. news
0: that for some reason the live stream did not go out to Twitter today, even though I have it going to restream and everything looks like it's set up and we actually are on Facebook Live. But for some reason it did not make it over to Twitter and I can't figure it out.
2: We could maybe like replay it right now on Twitter. We can figure it out that'll be cool um i might but yeah guys so we're we're gonna let us know how you want to interact with us twitter's a good place by the way get that peloton man what do you have to lose get on twitter and retweet the dumb money tv peloton tweet do not forget to do that because then you're automatically you know basically telling us you want the peloton and you'll be in the mix for when hopefully peloton goes up at least a penny next week on earnings uh you'll be in the mix to get one
0: uh dumb money dot that's it or, or twitter.com slash dumb money tv is where you get that official tweet and you have to retweet the one in the official tweet to uh be officially entered which it's pinned to the top of yeah. our page so uh you should be able to find that without a problem
2: and but guys follow us separately on twitter if you want to just have direct conversations with any of us uh at chris camillo right at jordan McLean, is that right jordan at dave Hansen. underscore there's an underscore, underscore. in there somewhere they're, they're on
0: the screen here yeah, Dave Hanson, Chris okay. Kylo, Jordan right. cool. underscore McLean. Underscore is your middle yeah, name, I'm on right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on, I'm on it, there. there it like,
2: <laughs> no underscore for me. I'm on there like three, four, five, six, seven, eight times a day. So, uh, feel free to tweet at me and, uh, let me know what you're thinking, and guys.
0: Fo- follow uh, us podcast, there in all the podcast, places. Make sure you do also follow us on Instagram. We post there from time to time. Listen to our podcast if you happen to be on the go and can't watch our live episodes. We put them on all of the major podcasting platforms just for you. And uh, what else? I-, I think that's it. Where else are we? Yeah. yeah. That's I-, I should you m- really make a list of all the places. Oh, actually, Monday is a holiday, so I think we're going to be on on Tuesday, right? Tuesday. So. Okay. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Thank you so much for watching. For Chris and Jordan, my name's Dave Hanson. We'll see you then.